This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. It seems for now our states avoided a post-holiday surge of COVID cases. Other states, including California, are dealing with overwhelmed hospitals and new single-day records for coronavirus cases. I talked with Dr. Keith Jerome, the head of the University of Washington's virology lab, and he painted a pretty grim picture of the pandemic as we begin the new year. Uh, first of all, how are things at the lab? Are you busy? Uh, Dave, we're busy. We're busy like we've been busy for months now. Um, we continue to do over 10,000 tests a day, sometimes wow. as many as 14,000. And, you know, the positivity rate is still up there. We see days where it's 8 9%. Um, that's not uncommon, unfortunately, now. So, yeah, we don't see many signs of this letting up right now. I think we're seeing the effects of of the holidays and and you know so much travel yeah. and people getting together. Well, do we do we know now whether uh, there is going to be a Christmas a post Christmas surge or not? Well, nationally, you've certainly seen that. I mean, if you you know hear what's going on in California, right? I mean, they, they literally that, are. Yeah. You know, people can't get into ambulances. The ambulances can't actually unload patients into hospitals. I mean, it's it's really terrible. Arizona's worse. Um, so, you know, we've been pretty fortunate here that we're seeing the bump, but it's you know, like like I've said on your show before, people in our state and region uh, most have tried to do the right thing, and so those effects have been blunted to a large degree and we're not quite in such dire straits. Well, that's good. I'm glad that what we're doing is working, although there's still people who are a little concerned that it's gone too far. The um, what, what do you think about the latest approach from the governor, this regional approach as opposed to county by county? Well, I think I think the governor and the government and, and people in, in positions of authority are in a tough situation because, look, they get it. I think we've got to get things open. We've got to keep people with their livelihoods at the same time we're having more deaths more hospitalizations than ever um and so how do you balance those things so this is a i think an attempt to bring some clarity to things um allow people to plan a little bit more um and use data-driven measurement-driven approaches to decide what we're going to do uh, you know, uh, we, we've got a long road ahead of us, unfortunately, for, for the next several months uh, before we get this behind us. Well, that's what's so concerning, that this is going to go on even longer. When we talk about data, it, it strikes me as the one piece of data we don't have is knowing where the people who are showing up with these new cases, how they caught it. Is is there any meaning? I mean, it'd be nice if we knew that uh, they, they caught it from going to a, a restaurant or something to to justify um, the businesses being closed. Is there any tracing going on that could tell us that? Well, yeah, you're exactly right. That would That's exactly the data that we'd want to have. And, and that's this idea of contact tracing, right? The trouble is you can't do contact tracing when you've got tens of thousands of cases coming through, you know, at this pace. And, and this is the problem. There, there simply aren't enough tracers. So um, contact tracing probably had its its best success probably during the summer when the number of cases were, were substantially lower than they are now. And you were actually able to figure out where people got infected or, or sometimes still often you couldn't, but now there's just so many cases in the community. There's so many places to potentially become infected. And there's so many infected people that, that we just really can't pin it down to one thing. And, and the answer is there probably isn't one place anymore. It's 
it's everywhere, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, note to self, in the future, start the contact tracing at the very beginning instead of uh, waiting. You're right. So, um, well, to, to look at it from the other point of view, we do food safety inspections of restaurants. Would it be practical then to do COVID, you know, or, or just combine the two, the uh the COVID inspection with the food inspection, and if a restaurant's doing the right thing, well, like the guy in Burlington who who wanted to, he's got a you know a, a restaurant that's got the walls are just garage doors. You raise the garage doors, it's like being outside. Uh, you send an inspector there and say, yeah, you're you're diluting the air. That that seems fine. You know, wear a mask as much as possible. Uh, you can open up. Whereas somebody who is in a a closed confined space obviously can't. Is there is is there a way to go facility by facility? and do a, a scientifically uh, acceptable job of stopping the spread that way? Well, I think scientifically, first of all, it's probably hard to find a, a bright line and say this is a safe space and this isn't. I mean, clearly, you know, a canopy outdoors in the breeze is clearly very safe. A uh, tent with four closed sides and a slightly open door is probably not a whole lot different from being in, indoors and, and indoors clearly is a dangerous place. I think scientifically it'd be hard to tell. And, and then of course, look, the reality is every aspect of what we're doing is stretched to the limit, Dave. I mean, the labs are, are stretched to the limit. The healthcare providers are stretched to the limit. I'd imagine that people within the state government are stretched to the limit Our public health folks. I know certainly are. Um, and, and the big challenge today is getting the vaccine out, right, and actually getting these vaccines into people's arms. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, you could do that, but I'm just not sure the resources are really there. Unfortunately. On that subject, what do you think about the idea of delaying the second dose to be able to give it to more people? Yeah, this is a great example, I think, for your listeners to really watch the scientific effort in, in, in progress. So you're hearing experts say we should we should do this, we should delay the second dose, or, or, or we should cut the doses in half. That's a similar thing um, that some people are talking about. And other people say, oh, no, we don't, we don't know that that works. And, 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 and the reason that really smart people disagree uh, about things like uh, postponing the second dose or cutting the doses in half is we just don't have the data to, to, to really know for sure which is the right thing to do. We know for sure that when you get your first dose of vaccine, you actually get some protection. It's not as good as after your second dose, but it's at least with the Moderna vaccine, there's evidence it's probably about 80% protection. So it's actually pretty good. And that's because they the, in the studies, the people who didn't get the vaccine started to get sick within that first month after they got the placebo, the sham inoculation, whereas the people who uh, got the vaccine didn't. So there was protection there. Um, you know, the, the, the trouble with that study is that then all those people who got the first shot got the second shot a month later. And so we don't know how long that would have lasted, you know, how fast would it go away, these things. So, you know, what happens if that really only lasts a month or two, and then all these people um, become susceptible to infection again? Um, what if the second dose doesn't work as well if you wait two months? These are the uncertainties we just don't know. And that's why some people say we can't risk that. Other people look at that 80% protection and they think, well, this is this is great. We should get as many people with that level of protection as we can. Both are sort of reasonable suggestions and both are sort of guesses. We know how to answer these questions scientifically. It just takes time, and we haven't had that time yet to figure out what the best approach is. So now that it's going out to millions of people, is there a system in place to monitor any other side effects that the trials didn't pick up? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, 
you know, because our lab uh, processes, uh, now we've processed over 1.6 million COVID samples. So all of our staff got, uh, got vaccinated. I got vaccinated. Um, and uh, so when you get vaccinated, you should be offered the opportunity to um, download an app um, that was basically made by CDC, uh, the Centers for Disease Control. And essentially what the app does is it, it asks you to put in your phone number and says, do you mind if we text you uh, once a day for the next week and then occasionally thereafter just to find out how you're doing with the vaccine? And so I did that. And, you know, every day, I think about four o'clock, they send me a text and they say, how are you feeling? And there's a little thing that comes up and you check my I had, I had a sore arm for two days after my vaccine, nothing else. Um, and you check that and say, did you have to miss work or anything? And you say no. And then it takes about 45 seconds. And then they say, thank you. And you're done. Um, so the more people who participate in that, the more we'll know if there are rare troubles with the vaccine. Right now, it seems to be really well tolerated. Um, you know, uh, I think it, it sounds like people um, more often have a reaction to the second dose where they feel tired. Um, some people have to stay home from work uh, just with fatigue that day. And, and again, those sort of body aches, that, that's a sign that it's working. So you want to see that, actually. Um, so, you know, I'll be reporting that if it happens when I get my second dose, if that happens in a month or so. And have there been any reports yet of someone who got the vaccine still contracting the illness? Oh, yeah. So, so we know that um, the vaccines are approximately 95% effective when you get uh, when you get both doses, uh, and that's true for both Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, Moderna was 94.1, I think, but but essentially 95%. Um, and that's protection from infection uh, and COVID disease. The nice thing is that the, the vaccines even seem even better at preventing severe disease, which is. Um, even if you're one of those unlucky 5% who got COVID anyway, despite getting a vaccine, you don't end up in the ICU, you don't end up on a ventilator, uh, you, and, and, and people don't die of COVID. So, you know, that's that's a great thing. This is, a, this is about the best vaccine that exists in terms of its just ability to prevent its target disease. So when people get the opportunity to get the vaccine, I would really encourage them to do so. Dr. Keith Jerome is the head of the UW Virology Lab. Dr. Jerome, thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Dave. Take care. And speaking of who's up next to get the vaccine, we do have some new guidance from the state health department. Michelle Roberts leads the state's vaccine planning group, and she says the next phase is broken into four tiers, and people in tier one should start receiving their vaccine sometime this month. Tier one includes two groups, all people age 70 and older, and people age 50 and older who live in multi-generational households. The next tier involves high-risk critical workers 50 years and older. That includes teachers, grocery store workers, law enforcement, first responders, along with prison and transportation workers. Tier 3 is up next. That includes people between ages 16 and 70 with two or more underlying conditions. People with underlying conditions are next in line, followed by all high-risk workers, regardless of age. And the Department of Health says these decisions were not easy to make, but they do believe this is the most equitable way to help those most at risk. Next week, the state will roll out the Phase Finder app, which will help people figure out and document when they're eligible. We will be back with you next Thursday to discuss the latest coronavirus news. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage at MyNorthwest.com or listen live on 97.3 FM.